Welcome to another edition of Tech Writer Voices. My name is Tom Johnson. I'm your host. Today we're publishing a podcast that's a recording of Shar James Tanney, Secretary of the STC, when she presented to the Suncoast chapter in Tampa, Florida a couple of months ago. I don't remember the exact date, and it's been a while um, since I attended the, the presentation, but I was just listening to it again this morning in the car, and I was pretty awestruck and was wondering why I didn't publish this earlier. But uh, Char goes into all kinds of new technologies, from blogs, wikis, podcasts, to pipes, uh, or mashups with Yahoo Pipes, and just the, the challenges that we face when we try to collaborate globally and the different technologies that come into play. So Shar James Tanney, she resides in Boston. She's got a great blog. I'll put a link up on the show notes. She's an author at Expert, a RoboHelp expert, and expert in a lot of other things. So enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. Thank you. I haven't been here for a couple, several years. Actually, we think we figured out it was three. Now that a lot has happened in my life, my son got bigger. We gained more animals. For anybody who was keeping track the last time, we now have 15. Um, so life is interesting. What he didn't mention, I work at home, which means that now that we're getting into summer, I'll be in my backyard office, which is the um, table by the pool. All right? Because you can do that these days because we have wireless everywhere. We have cordless phones. We have cell phones. All right? I even have a Skype phone now. Anybody seen a Skype phone? It's, it looks like a lot like a, cord, a regular cell phone. The difference is it looks into my Skype account. And I can make phone calls to everywhere through the U.S. and Canada right now. And probably, if I paid for it, could call just about anybody in the world. Communication is changing. You can see the picture. It's little now. I keep changing how the title slide looks. Um, do you recognize what it is? Okay, what is it? It's a telephone. When was it? What what era is it from? 50s, 50s and 40s. Anybody else? 20s and 40s. Did they need CDs to use telephones in the 50s? <laughs> oh, I thought that was a, like a back plate for yeah. That's probably the problem with the little one. And this little thing right here? Oh, USB. Is it USB port? <laughs> we have toys, guys. Anybody who's into gadgets and, and geek stuff, we have toys. Um, but some of the stuff we're talking about tonight is just how we communicate these days with a number of people. And some of the information here is from the book. Not all of it, because I keep... every time I gave this as a keynote to the Boston session. It was 15 minutes long. Now it's like more like an hour long. In November, in, uh, for the Dresel Conference, it'll be a, a different kind of a keynote. Same title, but it'll just have slightly different information. It gets changed a lot. Title stays the same. In the old days, we sat in our offices. We were pretty much always alone. We made phone calls when we needed to get in touch with people. Or you hung out by the water cooler if you actually worked in an office. See, that's a foreign concept to me because I haven't worked in an office in an awful lot of years. Meetings were held in conference rooms. Conferences were held in halls. But now we're global. This changes everything. Okay? People, like for, for the Minneapolis conference, everybody traveled to Minneapolis to meet. Okay? Some people came from the U.S. Some people came from around the world. They had to worry about, you know, just getting there and jet lag and everything else. 
but we can't travel every time we need to meet with somebody. If I have, I had, I've been talking to somebody who's going to need training. Um, we're doing it remote for Poland. Okay, they don't want to pay for some reason for me to fly to Poland for three days. <laughs> so we'll do it remotely. It'll work. We can still make phone calls, but we use broadband now. How many people here have Skype? How many have Vonage or something similar? Oh, come on, guys. <laughs> Vonage. I pay twenty nine ninety five a month. I can call anywhere in the world. What's that? Vonage does. <laughs> See, we've, now we've, we've got the worst reputation for drop calls in this area. Hopefully this is really wood. <laughs> nope, it's plastic. <laughs> I can't say anything. There's no wood. Here. We'll pretend. Yeah. <laughs> we've actually done well with Vonage. And it's great. Hi. Meetings are held in chat rooms. I keep forgetting to capture my own chats, which is why I have to borrow them from the web. <laughs> And in virtual worlds. Who knows what this is? Second life. Second life. <laughs> that guy right there? Sure. It's my husband. <laughs> in your second life. <laughs> no, that's, that's my, my real life husband sitting in second life. Um, this is the Ditta room where the Ditta user group meets right. once a week on Tuesdays. In second life. How many people here know what second life is? Okay. Second Life is a, considered a virtual world. People sign on. You can have free accounts or pay accounts, and the benefits you get are based on if you're free or paid. They're full-body avatars. Okay? My husband's big thrill was three weeks after he became a member, he got to buy real hair. <laughs> I'm like, you bought hair. He goes, well, you can tell the newbies. Because their hair just hangs. Whereas when, you're, when you've been playing a while and you've, you know, you're, you're in... When you walk, your hair moves. <laughs> okay. Um, who, how many people were there at the keynote at, ST, at the STC conference? Okay, Zay Frank, when he put up the richest person in the world, is an avatar in Second Life. And as he said, she sells real estate where nobody can live. Okay? They're make, people are making money off this. Maybe my husband will someday. Oh, and we have RSS feeds running. Sorry. I forgot to disable it. Go away. Don't come back. All right? Second Life itself sets up one basic place where everybody can go. Different things going on. But members themselves can actually buy islands. An island is really just a server. But on their island, they can set it up however they want. My brother and my husband have now bought an island. And they're setting it up. They've rented stores. They've been renting stores all week. People are thrilled that they have a new place that they can sell stuff. Because these people, when they make the money doing whatever it is they do, they spend it in Second Life. The current exchange rate, by the way, is 267 lindies to a dollar. <laughs> so I laugh when my husband says, we made $5,000 this week. And I went, um, that's like 40 bucks. <laughs> okay, so before you get real excited... We have online meeting rooms. This was a fun screen to capture. This is an Acrobat Connect. Anybody used Acrobat Connect yet? Mm -hmm. All right. It's like WebEx. It's like live meeting. It's like any of those. Um, a friend of mine calls it Baby Breeze. <coughs> Anybody familiar with Breeze, the old Adobe Breeze? That's the big enterprise meeting room solution. Baby Breeze is for those of us who are cheap. 
<laughs> or who don't have to meet with a whole lot of people at one time. This is my room for the year. I have it 24-7, all around the, the clock, all year. And I can have up to 15 people, up, oh, up to 14 people, since I have to count myself. The thing is, when I was setting this up and trying to do this meeting, you can say I've got three people in here, I kind of thought that this would show up in here. And it didn't. What it did was took over my screen. So I was trying to shoot a screenshot, and then, of course, it was the same slide design as this one, so it's giving me that kind of mirrored. <laughs> like if I'd done a screenshot of a screenshot of a screenshot. You'd all be sitting there going, oh, I'm getting small. <laughs> all right. But now that we're global... Now that we can meet with people anywhere in the world, you have to pay attention to things like time zones. It wasn't until we started doing the research on the book that I realized, I found out, there are 39 time zones. For some reason, I thought there were 24. There aren't. There are 39. Some are on the half hour. Some are on the quarter hour. Can you imagine traveling cross-country in there? You've got some that don't do time changes at all, even if they live someplace where they're supposed to. So, for example, Arizona right now is on Pacific time. When we get back to our Eastern Standard Time, Arizona will be back on Mountain Time. Because they, uh, they don't follow Daylight Savings Time. Okay? 39 time zones means that every, any given day lasts 50 hours. So you can really work a lot. Okay? Makes it a little bit more difficult to set up meetings, however. When I was setting up the meetings with Paul, and one thing we discovered was in order for me to catch them at work in, with a reasonable amount of time, say two or three hours, I had to start work anywhere between 7 and 8 in the morning. Now, I'm usually up between 7 and 8 in the morning. I'm not usually coherent at that hour. <laughs> but I would be getting up at like 5 to be ready to go to work at that hour. A um, couple of time zones, World Time Server and timeanddate.com are great for setting up meetings. Just make sure that you pay attention to where the home time zone is because there's nothing worse than setting up a meeting and discovering that you're a day late because you put the wrong home zone in. You know, I love getting pings from New Zealand that say, um, the meeting is now, not tomorrow at three. <coughs> Sorry. Oof. This is a really neat time zone map. This is from Theodora.com. It actually shows all 39 time zones. Which don't trip over anything. Shows the little breaks, like when it goes around places. So you can see where they are. And it's all coded. And then there's a legend for the code that tells you what letter is what time in the whole bit. In addition to times, you have to deal with the cultural iceberg. The cultural iceberg is the name given to how we identify with people that we can't meet face to face with. 15 to 20%, just like the iceberg, is above the waterline. You can, what, the, what you can tell about the person from a picture, maybe from an email, maybe from their voice. You get a better indication when the person obviously is right in front of you. You can see how they walk. You can hear how they talk. You can see their mannerisms. You can see that she talks with her hands. 5% um, is at the waterline. The rest is underneath. It's the stuff you don't know. What religion are they? What cultural habits do they follow? What, what could you do that might offend them that you don't know you're offending them because you don't know the rest of the pieces of their culture? Kiss the actress. I'm sorry? Oh, you gotta kiss the actress. 
Like Kiss the Actress, yes. yes. Everybody know about that one? Richard Gere in Bollywood? <coughs> How could oh. you miss it? You know, these days our primary news things are entertainment or mm-hmm. our actors and actresses. Mm-hmm. It's like, <laughs> we're confused, okay. Um, <laughs> you have to pay attention to these things so that you don't run into troubles, like with somebody threatening to arrest you for some reason. You also have to watch broadband versus dial-up. These numbers have already changed since the last time I gave this session, which was in March. US, U.S. is now 15th in broadband penetration. We have, as a country, I think the biggest numbers. We have the most people on broadband. But as a percentage of our country, we're 15th. Right now, Denmark and the Netherlands are first. More than 30 subscribers per 100 inhabitants for broadband. A lot of countries are actually more wired than we are. A lot of companies are less. If you're having meetings with people who live in countries where they can't get broadband, you can't use some of the solutions. Mm-hmm. You're counting Wi-Fi in that? Yeah, because Wi-Fi, is, for the most part, is, it's not as fast as um, a wire, obviously. <coughs> but most of the time when I connect, I'm at 100. It depends. Of course, I'm spoiled now at home. We have VOIP. So, I mean, we have, um, we have files. We have more four-letter acronyms than three in our house now. (laughs) Um, Iceland and Korea are catching up. This is from the December 2006 broadband statistics. Basically, make sure that everybody can attend the meeting room you set up if you're meeting online. Or that if you're using Skype to make phone calls, people with dial-up will have, um, there's more of a a chance for lag. Okay. Today, A lot of our communication is done with blogs, wikis, and podcasts. These are the big things anymore. YouTube. How many millions of videos are on YouTube? Okay. Blogs. There are something like 52 million blogs in the world now. Whoever knew we had that much to talk about? (laughs) I don't think we really do. (laughs) Well, sometimes we do. All right. Blogs. One-to-many communication for the most part. You can have a little bit of discourse with comments. I've been having sort of a funky discussion with um, somebody about the new definition for technical communicator versus the old definition for technical writer that the STC is trying to get into the SOC. See, now I'm back to my three-letter acronyms. Um, I could talk in code sometimes. People, you know, if you're walking with another communicator through the airport and you're talking, do you ever notice people just sitting there going, what was that? Blogs are typically informal. Not always, but typically. They tend to be, you know, a little looser in the talk. It's somebody sharing information of some kind. Primarily about one subject, but that really depends on the person. Categories can help delineate what the information is. For example, my blog has, has several categories. So there's one on STC, there's one on user assistance, there's one on conferences. There's one on my son. Because I took him to his first conference when he was four months old. And now whenever I go to a conference, people say, how's Jesse? <laughs> and so by putting pictures and things up on the blog, people can kind of... Right. I mean, I don't put it up a lot, but... Right. And if you're interested, there is a picture of him up there right now because he broke his arm two weeks ago. Oh. <laughs> so he has a picture of his cast. At that time, he was smiling. That's when he was still thinking cast was a good thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was shortly after the picture was taken that he realized it's really not that great. Blogs can be hosted or self-hosted. The difference... I host my own blog. I've actually incorporated it into my website design. So I've installed it on my server. Um, 
at self-hosted, sorry, let's say it the right way, hosted our places um, like, you know, Google and, and Blogger and things like Blogspot, where they let you put a wiki up, I mean a blog up. And usually they have like ads running or something like that. But it depends on the service. Technorati, I'm sorry, it was over 70 million blogs. I was off by 18 million. Oh, there he is. And there he is. <laughs> I like shooting new pictures. Um, so obviously, my blog, I mean, I try to cover a lot of STC stuff. I try to cover a lot about the help authoring tools. My company runs the Hat Matrix, which is what uh, people can use to compare different help authoring tools. So I try to work with both of those sites. Pardon um, me. What was the name of that again? The what? The Hat Matrix, H-A-T-Matrix.com. Oh. Thanks. Sure. Um, but I'll talk about upcoming conferences, especially if I'm speaking, because I try to promote, although I apologize, Tom, because I didn't get an entry up for tonight, and I'm sorry. It's okay. Well, I try to, because it's just I've been sort of busy. <laughs> And dealing with the heat. You shouldn't yeah. have this much heat if you're in Wyoming. <laughs> um, this one people may have heard of. I'm not sure. Okay. Tom does a great job because he, he, in addition to talking about technical writing and things like that, he also is paying attention to, like, like he's, he's the one I got from him. Alan Hauser and Neil Perlin are now writing blogs. So that came through from his blog. So he always says, he has nifty feelers out on people. I tend to have nifty feelers out on tools. Palimpsest, which is Sarah O'Keefe's blog. All right, another one that's higher on the technical communication list. Um, what I like about Sarah is um, she has this delightfully snarky tone at times. It's just great. And right now, the, the last one she's been talking about is the new ePublisher Pro license and how they've been trying to um, get it reworked because of the way it's been worded. It's like anybody who breathes on content has to have a license. So they're now getting that changed. It's, it's, it's up to just look at, I believe. But, you know, they're trying to... Because it's tough. If you have to license stuff, do you want to have to license it for, you know, 800 people who might be contributing content? You need to know about these things so that you know what you're going to be liable for. This same thing um, happened... It was something similar, anyway, happened in 2000 when eHelp tried to license web help according to the number of people who would be reading it. <laughs> Which made for an interesting set of discussions at that time. <laughs> oh, Heidi <what>? Hansen's blog. <laughs> I wish I send you all our money. Um, <laughs> Heidi Hansen's blog. She covers a lot of stuff to deal with technical communication. People, presentations she's gone to, she's a member of the Puget Sound chapter, so she goes to their meetings and reports. And a lot of books. She likes to um, review books. And she does some great reviews on books. By Ron Miller. I love the, the when you read it, it's Byron Miller. No, it's by Ron Miller. Um, Ron is a freelancer who writes for a lot of high-tech magazines, in addition to doing tech writing and some other things, and has been doing a blog where he posts a lot about um, more of the, the gadget stuff. He's been posting a lot lately about the iPhone and the new stuff to do with iPods and you know, there was an article this week about iPod versus iPod Plus for anybody who has iPods, which I don't actually have one. But if you buy the new Plus service, Ron gives you how you can go between the two services because it's, they're actually mutually exclusive and how you can get back to be able to choose. And we have podcasts, and Tom's sitting there going, great, I'm just going to put my name up again. Yes, I am. <laughs> All right? Again, one-to-many communication. The difference here is you're not reading it, you're, you're listening. Again, some podcast sites might let people leave comments. 
So if there's stuff that you liked or stuff you didn't like or, you know, corrections you want to make, anything like that. The thing about podcasts, you can can retrieve them on demand or just as they come available. So, for example, um, most of the sites that I've got in my my aggregator, which I'll talk about next, when the podcasts are available, I just get a little thing in my RSS. It just tells me it's available and it's right there. You could also set it up to automatically just download them to your iPod or to your computer so you can listen to them when it's convenient for you. So we have a lot more pull stuff anymore. All right? You set up the schedule of when you want to get it. And in some cases, it's a push combined with a pull. Because Tom says, okay, my podcast is available. I see that it's available, but I choose when I actually want to get the information. Um... Podcasting News has a podcast directory if you're looking for specific podcasts. Okay? Now, podcasts, for the most part, are um, audio only. Interchangeably, podcast and vodcast are used. YouTube, YouTube is really vodcasts. Okay? Because you usually go up to see, watch the video. Um, a friend of mine posted one today about people who are actually... It was on a technical communication blog. I don't know which blog put it up. I know where I got it from, which was Rhonda Bracey's. And somebody in Africa had been just taping this herd of buffalo walking. It was an eight-minute video with lions that suddenly came out of almost... Like, they saw them waiting. They went into a crouch. They went and took the baby by a buffalo away, dragged it into the water, into by the river. Alligator came up, started dragging on the baby. The lions pulled the baby out... And the next thing you know, the buffalo actually went and got rid of all the lions. The baby was okay. The baby got up and walked away. I'm like, what happened? I'm like, wait a minute. You've been, you, know, they were, you have lions chewing on you and you had two alligators coming after you, but you just okay. got up and left. And meanwhile, all the adult buffalo, there were like 100, chased off the four tigers. The four tigers. Lions. Lions. Thank you. Oh, my. Um, one of the podcasts from YouTube that made the rounds a while ago was the, um, the Norwegian monk getting the online help with the book. You didn't see this one? Okay, I have a link somewhere. How to use a book. How to use a book. And of course, the language was all in Norwegian, which I don't speak. Um, but they had English subtitles, which was very nice. And the guy was sitting there, you know, with the book, you know, I don't understand how to use this to the help guy. And the help guy's like, you turn. <laughs> There's your words. You know, when you're all done, you close the book. But how do I know my words didn't go away? You know, no, so you open it and then you close it. And the guy says, "Okay, let me see if I got this right." I open it, I close it. Okay, fine. So the help guy's going to leave, and the guy says, "I open it and I close it." Wait, wait, see, it's not working. It's broken. Close the book backwards. <laughs> They have some really funny technical communication videos up there. Um, tech writer voices, obviously. This was, I think, the day that um, Tom posted up the 35 from the STC conference. Try to grab them when you can. Oh, by the way, there's the, um, the Norwegian one. You had to see me trying to grab a screenshot that made sense of a moving video. But I got it to land on, open it. If it had been that straightforward, I wouldn't have called the help desk. <laughs> Yahoo Podcast. This one I did a search for STC. 
And I still haven't quite figured out what the first one is, which says, my best moves 2007 Trickster STC, <laughs> which makes me think it's not what I'm looking for. <laughs> down here we have defining experiences. Five STC candidates share um, influential stories from the TechCom field, special STC election podcast uh, with Nikki Blyle, and down here was Susan Bertman's. So we can get information on STC from the various podcasts. Podcast.net. If nothing else, I kind of think that the... It looks like an olive to me. I'm so bad with graphics anymore. Um, but it's a full directory, and the numbers. Entertainment podcast, 9,680. In case you haven't heard enough about Paris Hilton getting out of jail. Um, business and money, 1,550. Okay, you have to think about just where the, um, the possibilities are here. But you can find stuff to listen to on anything and now these days as you you know if you watch if you're I was watching um, a motorcyclist when we were driving around earlier had uh, an iPod or something like it on his arm with the cable running up the back into mm. his helmet okay they're everywhere wikis wikis are community based collaborative websites that's the biggest mouthful I could find the easiest way to describe it the community is not the STC community that we've all been talking about. It's whatever you, however you define your community. So, for example, I have a wiki up called the MS Help Wiki. It's, for, it's run by and maintained by the Microsoft Help MVPs, of which I am one, which I sort of forgot to mention in my bio. Oh. Thing. Um, but it's for anybody who wants to create and develop any kind of Windows help coming from Microsoft. So we cover WinHelp, we... Um, there's probably information on WinHelp 3 up there and 4. HTML help, help 2. The help formerly known as Longhorn. Um, right. If we get any other information, we'll put that up there too. Where did that go? It went up, <laughs> up into the. What they did was they split this, they split Longhorn help. You know, this is really depressing because I was the one speaking on Longhorn help for about five years. I was everywhere, I was all over the world speaking on Longhorn help. And it was Longhorn help, and then we can do this, and then we can do this, and. I can remember speaking at Writers UA two years ago, and Microsoft had given me like just enough information to be dangerous, <laughs> and so I hand-coded XML files in Notepad, and I compiled them with the compiler they sent me, and I debugged it from the error messages I got, and at the conference session, I ran Longhorn Help, and the people from Microsoft sat there and went, what'd you do that? <laughs> <laughs> Were you I guess I wasn't supposed to be able to. Were you to. in Seattle? Yes. Yeah, I think that's. Yeah, I've been at Writers UA since forever, but I think, that, I think that's the one where I actually floored them. After that, they did a break and they said we're going to go with Assistance Platform One and Assistance Platform Two. And AP One is what's going to be in Vista. We're going to deliver it with Vista, but it's not available to the help authors. It's available to Microsoft and to the OEMs yeah. and to one other group that I always want to forget and I forget who it is. Big Fish. Yeah, Big, Big Fish. Fish yeah. I guess Big Fish will work. Yeah. Um, we don't know what's happening with AP2. I hear rumors that I can't substantiate mm. from it's never coming around mm. to it might be here someday to we'll see it in two years to, you know, forget about it. So we'll see what happens. But right now, we're back to HTML help. Mm. Well, they started walking down the road of doing their own, their own structured authoring <laughs> language. Um, they did no. They did go down that road called and Microsoft AML. Yeah. It was called Mammal M A M L, but that violated 
a rule somewhere. So now it's Microsoft AML, and it is a valid XML language, and it is being used. But if you if you search on it, they've pulled every single page, every single web page on it yep. about a year it's ago. It's gone. They back, no, that actually disappeared the week before I gave the presentation where I actually showed that it could work. <laughs> because in my session I had, well, this was the URL. <laughs> like here's the, you know, because I have to get your slides into Joe three four weeks in advance. That's how we can get you the get the books of present of the proceedings out. And you know, near as I can tell, it's it's only me. Anytime I give a presentation on something, if I've prepared the materials in advance, by the time I give my session, all my URLs will be wrong, <laughs> or anything that I've described how to do won't be won't work anymore, right. or the tools will have just released all new versions, making my stuff out of date. Isn't that the life of a technical writer? Yes. <laughs> I just get to do it publicly. <laughs> so yeah, so my URLs on my slides were all bad because they pulled all the mammal stuff. All right, so back to wikis. I got the MS Help Wiki. We also have one for the book, which is called Wiki Wacky World. Um, I'm working on another one for with a friend of mine on a different subject. But basically, that's the community. The community is who defines the wiki. Wikipedia. The community is the world. Started here. That's cool. Started CP. Okay, I didn't know that. Wikipedia started here. <laughs> Several billion articles later, it's going strong. St. <laughs> Pete can start stuff. Um, so there's WikiWacky World. This uses TikiWiki, by the way. If nothing else, the, the, the names of the software for wikis are fun to say. There's the MS Help Wiki. Not much of a custom change there. That's Wikipedia. They use MediaWiki. Okay? TikiWiki is a collaborative suite. It includes blogs and forums and all sorts of stuff. It has everything. Whereas MediaWiki is really just for a wiki. Okay? Although they're getting add-ins now. Swarm Sketch. Anybody heard of Swarm Sketch? This is for artists. But you don't have to be a good artist to, to play with Swarm Sketch. Somebody's heard of it. That's cool. Can you contribute any lines? No, not yet. Oh, come Maybe on. Maybe after tonight. Okay. <laughs> Swarm Sketch. The community is artists, but you don't have to be good or professional or anything. The idea is everybody gets to contribute 100 pixels a day. And then you vote on somebody else's pixels so that you can make pictures. And every picture is good for a week. So on this one, it's Steve Irwin. This was actually, I grabbed this the week after he was killed. This one was a stingray. This just happened by happenstance. They did this on September 13th of last year. So people go up and contribute lines. And then as you vote on the lines, it takes shape. And what you don't like disappears. And what doesn't get voted on fades down. And what gets voted on comes up in... That's how the darkness of the line is determined. And what's the overriding objective of this? To make a picture <laughs> that matches the theme. Yeah. Okay, so maybe you're not their target audience. I can't draw. I just think it's cool. It is cool. All right? I mean, it's just what a neat thing for a wiki. Um, STC Carolina chapter. This is actually another um, Tiki Wiki, even though it looks different, because you can, you can customize them all the way. And STC's communication department, you should know this site, it's stc-cdx.org. It's where Tyline lives, it's where News and Notes lives, and when they get around to it, it's where the latest pictures live. But seeing how we just got back from the conference a couple weeks ago and everybody's still busy, I don't think we've got them up there yet, but they're coming. Senior members, when you get a link now, you should be getting an email now to Tyline, because that was one of the things that we thought might be good to share with everybody a couple months ago. This is where it takes you to. 
the CDX site is done in Drupal. Okay? Now, the difference in some of these sites, this one, you have to, ST, somebody at the office at STC has to make you a contributor. Mm -hmm. You can't just sign on. Almost all the other sites, if I remember correct, uh, STC Carolina, you must need permission from their chapter. All the other ones, you can just register to become a contributor and to be a part of that community, if that's what you want. If you don't register, if you're just looking at pages, nothing wrong with that. You're considered an anonymous user. All right, nothing is actually captured of your visit, but you get to view all the pages. You just can't make comments or make changes or do anything else. Is the only way you can access this uh, is through the link that you have sent to the timeline? No, no, if you go to stc-cdx.org, which for some reason I didn't put up on that slide. But there's no link from the website to that. There's no link from the website to that that I know of. I'd have to look. Cause yeah, because how would members even know about it? Uh, there should have been one. Like when they release a new timeline, I think they put a little news blurb up on the homepage of STC. They usually have like five or six links of the latest stuff. And they're sending it to all senior members now. They're sending it to all senior members now, yes. Hmm. But it's an open site. It's not that, you know, if you're not a senior member, please don't sit there and go, oh, God, I can't. <laughs> you can. You're more than welcome to look at it. Um, the timeline newsletter has been around for years. It's, um, for, it's more for leaders. It tries to present leadership information. But one of the things we figured out was if everybody was reading it, then you'd know what we're telling chapter leaders to do because some chapter leaders don't always, you know, have a chance to get into it or to find it. Sometimes we don't actually know who the chapter leaders are, which we're still trying to work out. <coughs> okay. So you can read this and see what's going on and what the latest things are that we're doing and, and all that sort of stuff. Now, this one, this isn't actually, this part isn't actually the wiki. But anybody watch Pirate Master? I'm a sucker for reality shows, especially in the summer, because there's just nothing else to watch. Um, but I was just cruising around, actually, CBS's site looking for stuff. And they have created the Pirate Master Wiki, which I thought was incredible for a major television station to do. Because it's the first one I've actually... Uh, it's, I think I've seen a couple other wikis, but they were kind of just like, you know, we have one, like mm -hmm. if you want. This one's like front and center. All right? They also use tag clouds. All right, which are these words here? The bigger the word, the more popular the topic. Interesting. They're called tag. Tag clouds. Okay. Some people swear by them. I, like, never use them, but I always think it's fun to just look at them and just go, I mean, you know, I'm part of it as you look at this. Okay, pirates, that would make sense. That should be a big one. Famous pirates. Okay. Um, Pirate Master Wiki. Yes, I'm sure a lot of people were looking for that these days. CBS is one of the biggest ones. Okay. <laughs> That would probably make sense. You know, you type in CBS, you get to see the Pirate Master Wiki because it's there. Sure, do they resize automatically based on... Yes. The, the tag clouds resize automatically based on the number of hits they're getting. Okay. RSS, really simple syndication. Could also stand for several other things, which I had to research for the book, but which now I forget, but this one works. The, the idea is with RSS is that you can say to a site, I want to know when you're updated. And you get something. All right? Now, I use a locally installed aggregator. Other people use a web-based aggregator. The idea is that you get this little notice somehow that says somebody has done this. They've updated the site. There's a new podcast. There's a new wiki entry. There's whatever. Okay? The Help Stuff blog RSS. I just figure, what the heck? See my son with his cast a lot, okay? 
Um, this is how the RSS looks if you just click the icon on my blog. It actually, IE knows to, you know, actually interpret it and display it. This is the underlying RSS, which is just a bunch of XML. Now, because I use software called B2 Evolution, when I write a blog entry and submit it, it automatically creates my RSS feed for me. For those who are so inclined, you can manually create these and put them up. Um, I think that's what I believe that's what STC does. Whenever they update their homepage, if you have them on your um, on your aggregator, they're actually doing it by hand. Okay. Feed Reader is another locally installed aggregator. This is actually um, Brenda Hutner's. Since we had to shoot screenshots for the book, we chose each other's because it was just easy. Um, so you can see how she's got hers categorized. All right, so she's got stuff for business. I can't actually read it if I stand that close. Entertainment, news, technical communication, um, and a few other things. And then hers show up like this, and then gives her the whole, she can actually read the whole article in hers. The one I use is this one, just a slightly different layout. Again, these are my categories. I choose how I want things categorized. This is how they initially show up, but if I click, um, I have these all collapsed. But if this was expanded, I could click an entry, it would actually show up just as it would if I was looking at it on the website. Some RSS aggregators just give you a link and you click it and then you go to that site to read. Yes? I'm not familiar with aggregators. How do I find that? Is it on the web? It is on the web. All of these are. So you I can just do a search on aggregator? You can do a search. I would go with our probably RSS aggregator. But if you use um, IE7, it's built in. If you use Firefox, it's yeah. built in. If you look for the little orange... Do I have a picture of a little orange icon? Maybe, somewhere. It's a little orange icon with what looks like the sound bars. Mm -hmm. All right? If you look at that, um, when you visit a page in Firefox that has an RSS feed, that icon shows up in the address bar. When you click it, it adds it to your favorites. And then it just keeps up with it. Okay. Yeah, there's um, blog lines. Now, I wrote to, um, I belong to several, many public email lists, as you probably all know, but several private ones. And so I wrote to one of my private ones, and I just said, it's because they're all geeks. Does anybody have um, a web-based aggregator? Because... The only screenshots I have are locally installed ones, and some people don't like locally installed ones. And the two guys that wrote me back are big into sports. So the screenshots I have are of the Ottawa Senators and I believe the Red Sox. Um, this is Bloglines, and it's a, a web-based aggregator. And again, he can have all of his breakdowns, and then this just shows him the highlights, and he can click the links to go see what the entire article says. So he can get just the highlights. If that's all he needs, he can stop there or he can go on. Google Reader, same kind of a thing, web-based, okay? If you already have a Gmail account, you can pretty much make your own, you can use Google Reader. Since they're taking over the world, they have it all assimilated. <laughs> it's all right there. Okay? So that's RSS. Anybody got any other questions on RSS? Ooh. Okay, mashups. Who's heard of mashups? Yay. Nobody has Vonage. Very few of you use Skype, but a chunk of you have heard of mashups. Okay. Mashups are when you combine more than one technology to get something else. All right? So, for example, Yahoo Pipes is the latest one from Yahoo. 
All right, pipes is based on actually the old Linux, not the old Linux, the Linux syntax, you know, when they do stuff with pipes. This is actually mine. Right now it's reading all of these sites and it feeds them through to me. What it does is it gives me the latest STC news for the last week from a variety of sites. Okay? And what this shows you is how I built the pipe. So this is just actually, I've got a whole bunch of things coming in that get fed together. Um, it sorts them by date. It filters out everything older than a week. And then it passes it through. <laughs> and that's a uh, public. So if you go to pipes.yahoo.com and search for um, STC latest news, you can actually take this pipe and there's an RSS feed that goes with it. And if you have an aggregator, you can just grab it. And then you too can have the latest news from the things I'm finding. I, was, I slowly started building in all the chapter sites. That's, we've got a lot of, I've got a lot of chapters in there right now. Um, but you actually, after a while, you get bored going to every STC website to see if they have an RSS feed. So, and then work interfered. You know, something about <laughs> flying to Tampa. Um, but here's the, here was one set of results. So I've got, um, this is from um, Chicago. Here's a blog entry from Atlanta. Something about the ACM International Conference. Here's when you uploaded the podcast on Vista. Um, 10 tips for frequent travelers. I think that's from Polly. The June 2007 intercom was posted. So I probably could now narrow it down to like the last day because if you're getting it, you don't really need to know yeah. a week ago every day. But you can get it. All right, Ms. Dewey. Anybody use Ms. Dewey? I've seen it, but I was not really impressed. Yes. Many people are not impressed, but the technology part of it is pretty damn cool. Well, that's true. Okay? When you first go to the site, which is, I believe, just MsDewey.com, she stands there. You know how usually if you're doing a flash site, there's the in-progress bar? And she sits there, and she's tapping it. <laughs> she looks up at you. And right here, I was trying to catch her. I'd ask her a question, and she plays music, and she talks, and you know, keeps herself occupied. And basically, if you're taking too long to do something, she gets, you know... Like, she starts being kind of rude sometimes, but, um, but the, the, to me, it's just the technology that's kind of cool. The fact that they were able to match all this up and still provide search. I don't think I, she's not my first choice for a search engine, but she's a well-known mashup. <laughs> Housing maps. <clears throat> One of the biggest mashups lately is to combine Google Maps with Craigslist. <laughs> okay? So you can go to something like this and you can say choose the city choose your this is for renting an apartment actually right your price range on this one I just clicked into it and just said show me boss and I just clicked on a little bubble um, when you get done you can filter set up filters and find out what's for rent what's for sale the whole bit somebody's done Yahoo pipes that actually takes this a step further where you can say I want to know houses that cost this much in roughly this neighborhood this close to a school um, this close to a store, and it will come back and say, "These are the houses that are that Craigslist knows is avail are available for sale." Is the site called Housing Map? It's called HousingMaps.com. It's pretty brilliant. Yeah, there's a bunch of these floating around. So with the, with the with the pipes, yeah, like differentiating of the the pipes from the RSS aggregator concept, are you? Um, with the pipes, he wants to know about differentiating the pipes from an RSS aggregator. With the pipes, you're building a custom RSS feed. Okay? 
but the architecture. Sort it's of. the underlying architecture. I can build my own RSS feed mm -hmm. by saying I want to know what all of these sites are doing. Mm -hmm. And you can even take it a step further because they allow you to build URLs. Mm -hmm. So you can say I want to go to this site and search for this information and from that output I want this to be done to it. So you're, you're applying a lot of, um, you're kind of running a query against, right. <coughs> against several, the different RSS feeds. feeds. Right. So you're running a query and against RSS feeds, yes. And are you, can you also put like a, a time range on there? Say sure. I only uh, care about the ones that three days came up within the past week or two weeks. Right, that's why mine's good weeks. for only the seven days. Mm -hmm. It's not every um, everything that's available. It's only stuff that came out in the last seven days. So, so can I think of a pipe as, as a just an RSS query tool? It's more than an RSS query tool because of you. There's so many other things you can add into it. You can actually do. I can't. I couldn't take it to the next level, but there are people on there who can. Um, because mostly because I'm not a programmer, and mm -hmm. they're um, they're kind of geekier <laughs> than the average bear <laughs> at Yahoo pipes. Um, the thing is, you can build your own the, the URLs based on the, the information you give it. You can do math. You can say, take this number that you get from this site, uh, multiply it by this percentage, really? and show me anything within that range of results. Hmm. Okay? So it's not, mine is just looking at a bunch of, of RSS feeds. But it's a very simple example, other than the fact I actually got the date thing to work. All right? But if you go to the Yahoo Pipe site, they have some... Um, People can take a pipes and they can clone it, and then they can ma manipulate it the way they want. You can't ever manipulate somebody else's, but you can use theirs as a base. Really? And then do what you want to it. So, for example, say you like the idea of my pipe, but you want it only for the last day. You could clone my pipe and then change the date to be yesterday or today. By cloning, you're saying take the source code? It's actually... Oh, probably one. That one. Cool. Oh, I see. It's actually just an option. You don't have to do anything. And then it takes That's this. And actually, if you click edit or you just click here, it brings up the development of the pipe, and you can clone it from there. <laughs>